0: Hello and welcome to The Film Angle, I'm Alex and I'm Chris and we are back this week with the second half of our year in review of 2022. We went through our 10 to 6 films last week which were, my 10 was Everything Everywhere All at Once, my 9 was Prey, my 8 was Black Panther Will Candle Forever, my 7 was The Black Phone and my 6th favourite film of the year was Athena hmm My number 10
1: was We Met in Virtual Reality. And uh, number nine was Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro, not the other one. <laughs> um <laughs> number eight was Barbarian. Number seven, Banshees of Anna sharon And number six was The Worst Person in the World. Time to get really, really enthusiastic now, right? Top five. Absolutely.
0: Our top five favorite films of the year. Should we just jump straight into it, Chris? I think we should. I think we should absolutely.
1: Um, I'll kick it off here. Um this is a movie that I feel like is already got a huge cult following that people are just going to be rewatching at parties for eternity. You know, it's um, so it is it is um, Indian language epic called RRR or which kind of stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Um, it's kind of a fictional history of these two legendary revolutionaries as they journey away from home um, before fighting for their country in the 1920s, and it is absolutely off the wall, insane. Some of probably the best fight choreography, special effects I've seen in any film, let alone you know just Indian cinema. Um, this is such a a bonkers hit of of big Bollywood musical numbers and and trains on fire and fighting tigers and <laughs> it, it is absolutely crazy. But it's also got this really good central um relationship between the two characters who become the ultimate bros. It's the ultimate bromance movie, um, you've probably heard a lot of people saying, where these two people who are kind of represent two elements one represents water one represents fire and they come together and they're originally one of them is trying to infiltrate and usurp the other one um unbeknownst to them though they actually become very close friends and it becomes a really like a dynamic of whoever to you know really trust and and uh go with your heart and be with your brother or do you go with fascists fascists the british coming into the country trying to colonize and try to do what they want you to do or do you fight for the people and it becomes a real fist bumping movie like you were mentioning last week with athena um rise roar revolt was for me it is just so fun i mean like it all bollywood movies are like 10 hours long right it's just a thing. They all have to be like three hours minimum. That's like, that's a small movie if you're three hours long. Um, this clocks in 187 minutes, so just over the three hour mark. And it feels like a two hour movie. It is just like from start to finish, a rip roaring ride where you're just not let up. You're buckling up the whole way over and you are laughing out loud you're having so much fun but you're not laughing because it's silly but you're laughing because you're like holy shit like what the what the hell are they doing on screen here this is (laughs) incredible i've never seen anything like this you have an opening scene where our main character is by himself um they are guarding like a like a small building um owned by the british and there are thousands of thousands of mobs of of people protesting trying to shake down break the gates and this one guy is charged he goes into the crowd and beats the shit out of every single person in the crowd with just a nightstick and this is the one of the best crowd control um well shot action scenes ever We can just see how well this guy can fight and you're like i would not mess with him and it is the the genius behind it is incredible like spielberg couldn't do crowd control this good it is um <laughs> yeah it, it is it is an incredible film i would just i i've spoken to you privately about this movie before and i would you know i would relish the opportunity uh, if we find the three R's <laughs> to watch it someday to watch it because you'll have a great time
0: well i think that's it isn't it i um i've been really bad and i haven't caught up with this film despite the amount of kind of praise i've heard about it and part of that is kind of obviously that you know the three hour mark is really difficult but also that that kind of you know the bias towards a western film like i i've not seen a bollywood film that i haven't enjoyed to be fair i've not seen many bollywood films but sometimes to be like a three Hour film with songs and dance, <laughs> and, and yeah. part of me is like that sounds amazing, but the other part of me is like, oh, I'd rather check on something else right now, and I, I feel really, really bad about that. I would not let that turn you away. It's it is actually no, a real switcher brain off movie. I'm, I, do you know, there. I feel I feel like an awful person for not having caught up with it yet because of the praise heaped on it when you know you and i can figure out time to go watch avatar 2 in the cinemas <laughs> i should <laughs> be able true. to find time but <laughs> rrr, um yeah no it's one of those films that i i keep kicking myself that i haven't seen yet um i mean it's major top five so I'm, I'm gonna have to see it like there's mm-hmm. no you know every film you know we've seen a lot of films this year um any film that makes it this far up a list is is going to be worth watching so well
1: if it helps you a little bit more it's the only movie this year where I actively go back weekly and watch a scene on YouTube um just to cheer me up yeah <laughs> so yeah.
0: it is it's it's that good and it's on Netflix so you can watch any anytime yeah. so exactly exactly no that's um yeah I really need to catch up with that one and you you're making me <laughs> feel even worse about trying, not having done so already what's your number five Alex my number five is the Northman uh, directed by robert eggers who mm. did um the witch and the lighthouse and here it feels like he was given 100 150 million by uh a studio i can't remember what studio uh, to kind of make this big viking uh historical epic but at the same time really kind of delve deep into the kind of nordic viking lore and gods and and all the kind of mythology that comes with that Mm. um it's it's a film that constantly battles between wanting to be this kind of big blockbuster epic but also this kind of arty lore film all at the same Mm. time like it almost gets bogged down in the details at times not in a way that ever kind of is against it. I think I, I
1: saw, I heard um, a crew member was interviewed and they said that, you know, he's very obsessive over the details um, that don't even get noticed in the movie. Like he would, he would not necessarily stress out, but he was for him to kind of want to the movie to go, Forward as well as possible, like even the engraving on a boat, um, that you wouldn't see unless the camera was right up to it. He had to make sure that like that was as accurate as possible <laughs> to kind of make him sleep at night. Um, he's, he's yeah, and the detail, like you're right, it's it's on here on display,
0: absolutely, and it's it's just one of those films where it's like, it's violent and gritty and brutal, and it ends with a climatic oh, fight yeah. scene of two men in the nude in the middle of a volcano mm-hmm. <laughs> fighting mm-hmm. it out for revenge. And, um, I mean, how can you not love a film that ends yeah. in that way? Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant time. Um, I was so happy I got to see this at the cinema. The numbers for it kind of felt like uh, maybe not a lot of people did catch it at the cinema i haven't watched it since i do wonder how well it'll play back on a tv yeah. um but man like it felt like quite the epic watching it in the cinema and absolutely and especially if you followed eggers as a filmmaker i'm a really
1: like the witch is one of my favorite films of 2015 and the lighthouse i thought was really strong like thought-provoking exercise as well um i would say northman's really a strong film i really enjoy it i want to made my top 20 of this year to make my top 10 um but it is something i really really enjoy in the performances i love all the mythical ethos and everything all the all the viking norse mythology kind of laced in this movie it's also got bjork playing a witch um for a mm. scene so you know it kind of kind of sold me there um and ethan, and ethan hawk plays dad so <laughs> you know
0: you've only got to put people like that in the movie and i'm there to to watch it it's quite um, the cast isn't it with uh with with willem defoe in there nicole kidman in probably one of her best roles in, oh, she's great. in years. Yeah, i'd she's say amazing. she was absolutely brilliant uh anya taylor joy who's constantly just you yeah, know probably one of the most people. most kind of hard-working actresses out there right now really really excited whenever she appears in anything at mm-hmm. the moment
1: absolutely um so great pick alex um that goes to my number four i think this is a movie you haven't seen either this was one of the first movies i had seen on the big screen this year it is um a japanese animated film called bell again probably not well known to major audiences but i think it's already garnered a real strong cult following and um, i actually i actually bought an anime um encyclopedia book earlier this year and it already has it as an entry in it as a as a reviewed and and kind of really uh, well-mentioned movie. Um it is probably the most ambitious um piece of Japanese animation I've ever seen. Uh, the the scale I saw this on an IMAX screen. Um mm. I was lucky enough that had a one a one night showing and made it for that. And it absolutely blew me out of the water as a pure experience that transports you and takes you to another world. It's kind of related to my number 10 pick that we mentioned last week. And um, we met in virtual reality, where this is set in a in a world where we are now connected to your mobile phones through an app called You. And in the app You, you can create your own avatar and you can completely live within this world in a VR setting and be whoever you want to be. And um, this, we follow a young seventeen-year-old high school student who um, who's living in in rural Japan with her father. She's wounded, sort of, by the loss of her mother who passed away years ago trying to save another child in, in a river um, when she was a little girl and she's kind of has this sort of looming over her all the time and she struggles to connect with people in school and she finds this platform called you and joins it and becomes this character called bell and where she can sort of it sounds a bit cheesy but she becomes a kind of a, a euro star you know, she's a she's a singer, she's a performer, and people connect with her in this avatar. This avatar looks very different to what she looks like in real life. She's got this sort of long, beautiful pink hair, and she she wears these outrageous outfits. And she, you know, she makes like Eurovision winners' type songs that people connect with, and she amasses millions of followers online. And um, she then comes into contact with a dragon-like figure um, who is hated by everybody on this platform. Um, comes in causes disruption and everybody tries to hunt him down and get rid of him from the platform and um, she forms a connection it's kind of tied to beauty and the beast in that way where it's sort of a a reimagining of that story hence why it's called Belle with an e and they form a really strong connection and she tries to puzzle out who this person is in real life and tries to investigate and get to the bottom of who the dragon is and um and it kind of taps into really some hard hitting issues um domestic parental abu- abuse abuses in here um you know learning to be yourself just like we met in virtual reality had those sort of things on its mind and I think it's sort of one of the most beautiful sort of realizations of what a, a metaverse could end up looking like and um, to be honest I was absorbed in this world and I I I kind of want to live there it was that it was that well realized. And it is an absolutely epic, um, one of the most transportive cinema-going
0: experiences I've had um, for for some time. Yes, I remember you bigging this one up a while ago, um, and really uh, trying to get me to see it. I still haven't seen it, and I and I will. I will. You are selling it. You are saying, like I said, it's in your top five. You know, I got, I got to see it now. I've Got to see it. But um,
1: oh, and I, I active, the soundtrack. This there, are, there's, it's not really a musical. There are about three, four songs in this movie, but all of them are absolutely, absolutely belters as well. They, um, it shows you how popular the music actually is in this movie. If you go to the Spotify profile for this movie, it has nearly three quarters of a, of, of a million monthly listeners. Just to the soundtrack so it obviously has a big following and people obviously are really engaging with it and um, yeah, it has some moments that are just really like, it's very big on emotion it's big swings, I feel like it's just like, I think that's Japanese animation in general, it, it tends to deal with bigger emotions that are not necessarily something that we do over in the West we tend to kind of refine our feelings a little bit more mm. Um, which is something I really appreciate here and in this world it makes sense, especially when we're trying to narrow ourselves filter ourselves down in a world that isn't our own we're outside of reality we're putting ourselves into a different reality like a like a fantasy version so it makes sense that all those emotions are really big and oh, yeah. it's really beautiful and it's, it's about seeing the best in people and it has probably it reminds me of your name that came out in um oh, uh, a few years that. ago that had a really big sort of like last 20 minutes that really builds 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 and like stirs you up inside and um it's impossible not to feel kind of emotional by the end of the movie
0: well I absolutely love your name so I mean that's probably the biggest selling point for me there if it's if it's anything just, like yeah, that I went for the low hanging fruit <laughs> oh absolutely I think there's an element of as well like probably the same way when I was going into Del Toro's Pinocchio I was like I, I, I don't want to see Pinocchio again I think there's an element here with that was like I know Beauty and the Beast I know this is reimagined but can I be asked with that story again um, but I imagine I'll be proven as wrong as I was with Del Toro's Pinocchio. That like yeah. no, it's it's so refreshing that it's it's unlike yeah the story you know
1: the Beauty and the Beast is more an element of the story. Okay. It's more like a ten percent. It's more like oh. borrowing that part, and it's the rest of it is its own thing. So okay, it.
0: interesting. It's I will add it to my list, and I will I will get it watched as soon as possible. I'm sure you will. <laughs> so what made your number four then, Alex? My number four favorite film of the year was The Batman. Mm -hmm. The Batman. I'm hearing the soundtrack in
1: my ear right now. Oh,
0: a brilliant kind of musical motif um, to kind of go along. And um, again, it's another one of those... It feels like a bit of an epic, but at the same time it's quite a small Gotham-centric story. Mm. It almost feels like this could be David Fincher's Batman. Um, but I think yeah. my my favorite thing about this was that I think the trailers almost felt like, yeah, we're gonna do the realism thing again and, and we're going down the Christopher Nolan route. And I think there was an element of like, really? Do we have to? But then Matt Reeves has created this highly stylized world, this rainy, grimy, grungy Gotham. Mm-hmm. And Everything in this world works so well together. It's almost unlike any Batman you've seen. But at the same time, you feel the Batman from the comics. You feel the world around him. Um, And it's this incredible sandbox. It feels like the most well-thought-out comic book movie we've had in a long time. Like, there was real intent. To make something truly, truly mm-hmm. unique and interesting here, um, even uh, with the casting of somebody like Robert Pattinson as 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 the main role, I mean this this is very much a Batman film. He rarely gets out of that costume. Mm-hmm. It's he is this is a detective and he's a detective in a bat suit and strips it know. down almost to the
1: the character's origins. And it's sort of when it used to just be like batman and commissioner gordon working out cases and it kind of strips it back to those sort of can my sort of days
0: absolutely it's very genre specific it kind mm-hmm. of it just hits all the right points and like you said that that roaring thunderous soundtrack with the with the motif behind it every time yeah. batman appears and he appears a lot it's a long ass film but yeah i just everything about this works so well um even if you took the Batman element away it would be this brilliant kind of detective noir story but I must say the film grabs you from its opening five to ten minutes straight away as you get this kind of uh, emo monologue from uh, <laughs> Robert Batterson yeah, as he describes it. how the kind of Idea of the Batman works, and nobody's really sure if he's real. His yeah. light lights up the sky in Gotham, and, and with an angsty, you know, nirvana track, yeah, in the background. And you get all these different <laughs> criminals who are kind of like scared of the shadows, just in case he's there. Mm. And that, for me, straight away solidified that like Matt Reeves knows what he's doing. He knows Batman, and this is going to be um a really, really great film. And it delivered. It delivered in a way that um, I didn't think we'd see a a batman film that could hold a flame to the nolan dark knight um and and as it doesn't top it but Mm -hmm. it it holds a flame to it and um i was really impressed by just how how good this kind of reboot of the character was
1: it's a very brave move as well considering how recent in our minds the the nolan trilogy is and how beloved it is you know, mm. it, it takes it's a big step to kind of do something, and they did something interesting where they did their own thing. They did something completely different, um where they were both honoring the origins of the character and really kind of pushing it in a sort of dystopian. Like you said, it almost feels like a David Fincher slash Denis Villeneuve sort of mm. um, feeling that has that dystopian sort of grim um dark look at gotham that we i don't think we've had as much in in live action versions i mean, well perhaps perhaps tim burton's iteration was mm, a bit more yeah. like that but um nolan's was a bit more clean and crisp um so no this was definitely really really interesting movie I, I i loved it a bit i loved the relationship between um him and Zoe kravitz um yeah robert pattinson and Zoe kravitz had this really like strong sexual chemistry on screen together um that I thought was really kind of cool. I wasn't really expecting that from from a movie like this. I think it's really cool to have something like that. And there's there's something teased there and bubbling for future movies too. So I would really Absolutely. love to see these two on screen again.
0: Absolutely. And the uh, the one element we haven't uh, discussed, but it's probably one of its best elements, is the Colin Farrell penguin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: Colin yeah. Farrell under layers and layers of makeup. He's had a great and, year. He's had a great and, year. <laughs> Surprisingly, makes the fat suit work in a really great way. Um, yeah, completely disappears into that character. But yeah, um, between this and the Banshees of Inisherin and yeah. uh, After yeah. Yang, after oh, of course, of course. Um, yeah, he's had a, he's had a brilliant year. He's, mm-hmm. oh, he's such a good actor. I love he him. Is. I love him. Yeah. Get on to your number three, Chris.
1: My number three is a movie that i never thought would make my top ten of <laughs> of the year. Um, it is top gun maverick Mm. tom cruise i had an absolute whale of time watching this movie i've still only seen it once but i need to revisit it but the one time i went to see it in imax was enough to leave such a strong impression that i can stop thinking about the movie for weeks it is by no means perfect it is contrived like any tom cruise blockbuster movie is but it does that thing where we've been getting recently, where it just takes an original source material that's, you know, fun but kind of problematic by its nature and of its time, and turns it and morphs it into a better, more near perfect movie, like a version of itself. And it does, you know, Tom Cruise's continual pursuit of, you know, death-defying special effects and stunts. You know, comes through here. Where it's just we've got a streamlined, simple story that is completely just fueled by some of the most intense scenes with a great, you know, with a great sort of uh, reimagining of the Top Gun original score and music, and uh, it's just it's just a mixture of sight and sound that stirs up feelings and um, makes you want to fist bump the air. And by the end of the movie, you're just like you know, the emotions that are stirred up just by the pure action scenes is, is crazy. I
0: will, I will skip ahead a little bit here, Chris. And uh, just cause it's not far off in my list either. Uh, top Gun Maverick is my number two film of the year. And I want to chat about it <laughs> with you now because I have that same kind of excitement about it. I also didn't think it would make my top 10, um, but it almost feels like um, they gambled on delaying this and delaying this throughout the pandemic. And it was supposed to come out like two years ago. And ah, um, oh, thank God they waited because seeing it on the big screen mm. um, with a lot of it somehow shot practically in actual fighter jets um, is just kind of it's cinema at its most breathtaking. As mm. Tom Cruise, like you said, always trying to find the best way to kill himself on the screen <laughs> um, is is really kind of like pushing the limits of of what you can capture in camera. And um, yeah, I mean. Not only is it thrilling and exciting as a as this kind of visual spectacle, it's got a lot of heart. And it really is. It's kind of like, yeah. what if the first Top Gun movie, but it was actually good? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to my dad because that's his favorite film of all time. But Top Gun one's okay. Top Gun 2 is brilliant. And I got really emotional watching it as well. Um, and I was really happy to share that experience with my dad in the cinema as well. Because uh, it is, it's nostalgia bait, but it's also, it also kind of like gets that out the way pretty early on, yeah. and then just says, "Come on a ride with us. You're going to be absolutely thrilled." Oh um, um, yeah,
1: from the from the first moments of the movie, you you know you're in for a good time. And it reminded me, I think we spoke about this earlier on in the year. It reminded us a lot of um, the opening scene for demon Chazelle's um first man where mm-hmm. it was an it was a real sort of like you, this is what to expect from this movie a proper white knuckling experience of seeing where we're going to go and like how the action scenes are going to be set out right? yeah. um, but with
0: thought behind mm-hmm. character development yes and story and and kind of relationships um yeah i mean it's 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 it's, it's, it's as well as thrilling it's quite a moving film and i think there's a lot of stuff in the third act where it comes together and really kind of made me oh yeah i don't care about every single member of the of the team
1: as Mm. well where you just don't want anyone to go and it it, it just takes it does that good thing there's nothing wrong with convention if you can find a way to funnel it down and make it really really work and um i'm i'm okay with feeling manipulated from time to time you know that's kind of what movies do they they all have the intention to make you feel something and this one did it in a in a really well in a amazing way i like you know i get so excited for any time tom cruise comes on screen i think we were talking about this earlier that he's the only real movie star left and the one that really makes you want to go to see a movie just on his appearance alone. Plus, you you marry this with a a franchise called Top Gun, which is so, you know, iconic. Um, It's no no wonder why it
0: was one of the biggest hits of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was surprised at just how good it was, really. Um, I always knew those those action flight scenes were going to be excellent, but I wasn't expecting everything else to be stripped down to the kind of rawest elements and, Mm. and really take me on quite a ride of a story. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm, I would not have guessed it'd be my number two film of the year. And I know I've skipped ahead there, but I'll jump onto my number three now. (laughs) Uh, My number three film, um, which I'll only go into slightly as well is um is after sun mm-hmm. um which is a pretty late film into the year, but one of those kind of surprise hits that um I don't know just kind of left me in a in a world of thought and memories and sadness um and it's probably one of the most moving films of the year mm-hmm. um but I got a feeling. I might dive deeper into my number three film with you later on, Chris. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we
1: want to skip? you were running to skip ahead to number two, is that what you're saying? Yeah, why don't you share with us your number two film? <laughs> my number two film, you've already mentioned, is Everything and Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, I, I was completely on board with the hype of this movie. I just thought it was so interesting that we could have a small... Well, albeit small studio creates such an epic, and that's such a love letter to cinema. There is, you know, if you're really true fan of, of film and all the genres and are well versed, there's going to be so much in here that you're going to like. Even things that are split second, blinking you miss it stuff. There is so much to unpack from this movie on a visual level alone, and then you get down to the story. Like you mentioned, the family dynamics. It's all about how we generationally, how we uh, relate to each other, our differences. Um, and how to how we come together at the end and sort of recognize those differences and and build upon them and and grow and it's such a touching story and i think it's so helped by the amazing performances in it um uh michelle yo is just absolutely steals the scene um steals every scene with her character evelyn and um, with one of the best comeback um, uh, side characters ever. in Wayman Wine, played by Ki He who is really like he is on the comeback. <laughs> he really is here. I think everybody fell in love with him in this in this movie. Um, he's probably my favorite uh, performance in the movie as well. Besides Jamie Lee Curtis, who also is a scene stealer in her own right and uh, does goes for it with a very um non vanity driven performance we'll just say um which is really really cool the daughter played by stephanie Sue is is incredible too the performance that they have is really um the relationship she has with her mother evelyn is so touching and that's kind of the the crux of this story is is the relationship between the mother, mother and daughter and how the daughter becomes uh, an unsuspecting um overarching villain <laughs> of the story um which is really fun when she switches tones into that villain like a cartoony character it is so much fun and she is having the time of her life and yeah i mean it's just it's hard not to be in love with this movie it it is a a one-of-a-kind film that um begs to be watched over and over again and i can't wait to watch over and over again i need to buy this thing on on 4k it's 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 that good um yeah, and especially, it's one of those things that's got so many nods to cinema that even as I explore my cinematic journey, I could probably come back to this movie and find more things in there that I had not noticed before. So, that's the
0: treat of this thing. I think as well, it's just like, when you think about how it has a tenth of the budget of, like, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> yeah, of Man. And the yes. places it goes, and the kind of visuals it, it comes up with, it really is kind of, like, independent filmmaking at its finest. You're like, how did they even oh, do yeah. this? They might have costumes in this movie alone just for, like, threw-away millisecond shots or sets or anything. It's crazy. How do you even, like, plot this? How do you even go about structuring how to film this? I mean, it's, it's like it's an achievement in itself. It's um, yeah. Obviously I've spoken about it as well. It's my number 10 film. Um, Yeah. It's it's, it's a, it's a brilliant little film um, that yeah, has clearly taken the world by storm this year. Uh, I do. I do wonder, do you, do you think it's going to be a contender at the Oscars this year, Chris? There's so much love behind it. Do you think it might be one of those ones that like keeps, keeps going into the, into the, into the award season? I
1: would love it to have a real presence at the Oscars. Unfortunately, historically, the Oscars always has suffered from recency bias. That's why a lot of, you know, uh, prestige in inverted commas, commas movies um, are kind of slotted for January, February releases, because that's when this going to be fresh in everybody's mind. I hope because it's a bit of a weird year in terms of where we are as a planet, I think there is possibility for traction from earlier releases of the movie of, of the year to come forward i think top gun maverick is also a victim of of being earlier in the year but also has legs to go forward too so you know this could be a different year and i would love this movie to have a presence there for sure
0: well we have kind of i kind of messed up the list a bit by speaking about my number two already which was top gun maverick <laughs> um so i I don't know if there's much more to add than just it's, it's a brilliant time. We've already chatted about it. But I kind of wanted I kind of wanted you to um, go into your number one now, Chris, so we can chat about that because it's uh, a film that we both love. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: it's really... I don't want to <laughs> stem too much into the realm of hyperbole because it's impossible not to with this movie because it absolutely bawled me away. And um, it is Charlotte Wells' debut film, if you can believe it. It's her debut film, After Sun. Yeah. Um, I managed to see it a few weeks ago in the cinema. Um, again, later in the fil- in, in the film year, um, so you're, you you kind of think your your list is wrapped up by then, and then this movie comes along and makes it straight to my number one. And it's not without thought, you know. There's no recency bias involved there. I had to really really think, but it was just one of those movies for at least the two weeks following after seeing it. It was just circling in my mind um not just like one or two scenes it was the whole combination of everything it was like playing like a like a collage in my mind and the moments that really spoke to me and made me question you know when i was when i was a kid like one of the main characters here um you know made me kind of reassess thoughts and feelings i had that were sort of unexplored so that's like that's the potential that this movie has and i think it's it's a real film that depends on what you bring to it i think no matter what Mm -hmm. you will find something to take away that is emotionally cathartic or heartbreaking um but no matter what your experience is you're going to have something there's going to be one scene in this movie that made you tear up that is going to be different to the person sitting next to you they're going to have another scene that hit them really hard and that's the real power here there's not um there's not a single shot sort of to waste in this sort of lean feeling 90 to 100 minute Movie. It's um, it's sort of a semi autobiography, bio- isn't it? It's kind of yeah. yeah. It's kind of based on um, a holiday that uh, this main character called Sophie. She reflects on the, on a holiday that she had and um, this sort of private melancholy that she um took this holiday with her father twenty years ago in Turkey. It's set in the late nineties. Memories start to kind of come back into the forefront. Half the movie is a mixture of video found footage that she shot during the holiday and the rest of it is shot like a traditional film and um so it's about her trying to fill in the gaps of those memories and what really happened during that holiday that to understand her father and be closer to her father more and it's something that she's you know it's very um ambiguous about what the events are in the movie there's obviously her dad is obviously dealing with some sort of depression Mm. That he is trying to mask from his daughter, um, and we are seeing it for her POV, and it is just one of the most heartbreaking movies I've I've seen in some time. I mean, Paul Mescal is, you know, I, I, I'm afraid he won't get an Oscar nomination for best actor, but you know, not only should he get it, he should win it because it is just a performance that is so focused, so difficult. Because this movie is all about small moments. You know, yes. there's no big hitters, there's no big Oscar speeches here. It is just purely done on body language and where the camera is and how Charlotte Wells beautifully constructs the scenes. It feels like a movie that's just so personal that you're invading on its space. And mm. um, I was, you know, I, I I was walking still to my car at the end of the movie long after the credits had rolled and my, my lip, my jaw was quivering still. I was struggling to get my breath back because I thought it was just such a hard hitting um masterpiece and it's a and it's a debut. It's a first film. I can't believe it. It feels like someone who's been mastering the craft for so long. It is just uh, it's devoid of any fat. It's just pure um untapped you know cinematic potential. I cannot wait to see
0: what she makes next. Yeah. And it's and it's mad just how much it affects you on an emotional level, considering like you said, the ambiguity of the story itself. It never says something really bad. Happens. Yeah. This is it. You should feel sad. You put the pieces together like a puzzle in the same way that the main character is. It really puts you in the shoes of older Sophie looking back at these, um, at this footage and piecing together the the kind of behind the scenes of when the camera wasn't rolling and what her father was going through and all this kind of stuff. It's never explicitly said that something's gone bad but you you know it has mm-hmm. and it's one of the, I just was kind of hit by the just natural realness of the story of the relationship between father and daughter, um, how, how it really did feel like you were almost watching a documentary at times of Mm -hmm. these two characters. Um, but at the same time, kind of, you know, relating like it's set in like nineties, um, is it turkey i think yeah um, the all-inclusive
1: but it, it, holidays that we all as kids were 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 up at the bars getting free cokes and everything like that's absolutely so it
0: feels like yeah. the uk holiday nostalgia film it's really mm-hmm. really yeah. strange at the same time um it feels so um kind of i don't know hard hitting and close to home and it's really interesting i left the film being like oh that was that was good i i yeah it was quite an emotional emotional ride and then it you keep thinking about it and I almost like teared up more thinking about the film than I did during the actual film. And that's kind of why I didn't want to touch on it too much. Um, when I put it in my number three spot, because I think the best conversation I had was with you, uh, when we were in a, in a bar with our, with our partners, um, before we went to see avatar 2 and it, it was almost <laughs> like Does somebody get the microphones because like we were just discussing the film having both seen it relatively recently yeah and it was just like man right. this film has really affected me in a, in a, in a really special way um that it's, it's almost quite hard to articulate at times what it is but mm. it's it's like you said it's almost like a film where everybody brings their own baggage to it and and takes away a different
1: thing um And I think it does so well at making those two, the father and daughter relationship, just so earned. And, you know, you really invest in it because the chemistry between them two is really real. And there's history behind it too. And I think Charlotte Wells made them actually go on holiday together before they shot so that they had time to kind of spend together and form a relationship Mm. before actually shooting the movie. So that, I think that always helps. But yeah, you're right. I mean, and also, you know, it's use of music. It's very nostalgic too and, and, and aids and it's very it's very deliberate in its use in terms of like what the lyrics and each song kind of contains and relates to the moment in a very you know not in a corny way in a, in a way that's sort of like subconsciously involved and um, it has the the final scene i think everybody would agree is the, is the heavy hitter it's where mm. everything comes to a head and um it's it's the most devastating use of would you believe it queen and david bowie's under pressure you'll (laughs) you'll ever hear i mean i never listen to it the same way never listen to it the same way again i will just think about that last scene and you know the yearning that's in that scene that absolutely i've never i think it's just the biggest scene of yearning and trying to reach out to somebody i have Mm -hmm. seen some time and it's just so well done. I mean, and then and then the credits rule, and you are like, you are gonna do that. You are gonna do that to me. You are just gonna leave me a, a piece of, like a piece, like a wreck here. It's that's what the movie leaves you like.
0: I know, and 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 those endings are so difficult to get. And you, I think that you find that a lot with like small independent films where the premise and the idea is so interesting, but the ending they just end. doesn't always always capture the whole film. But here, the ending is the strongest element and uh, like sucker punches you in the stomach. Um oh, yeah. in a way that I really wasn't ready for, but at the same time it was quite cathartic in a strange yeah. way
1: I'm shaking thinking about it now I'm shaking
0: <laughs> <laughs> It is one of those films I think the more you kind of discuss it, the more it just conjures up those memories mm-hmm. um I've been more emotional talking about this film than watching it it's a uh it's a unique unique piece of cinema um that easily could have made it as my number one as well um mm-hmm. It, that's the funny thing about these lists. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to kind of if i if
1: I say one them thing together at times. All nine of our mentions on my list could have been swapped with each other at any time. After Sun was the only one that was concrete. Um, that just really it was just the one that really kind of hit home and reminds me it's that one film a year that we always get that reminds you why you're why you're turning up to the cinema in the first place and why you love yeah. film.
0: That's interesting because if you would allow me to delve into my number one, it has been my number one film of the year for a long time as well for, for very similar reasons. Um, I think this film actually probably got more of a visceral reaction at the time from me, mm. um, and it's a film that you've already mentioned as well. It's the worst person in the world, um, chronicling an almost second coming-of-age film from our main character, uh, Julie it's the late twenties into thirties. What am I doing with my life? Uh, what am I doing with, uh, you know, like my job and my relationships and, and how, how do I, how do I figure out the the mess of my twenties and turning it into something in my thirties? Um, and I it kind of hit me quite close to home in that way of, um, just trying to figure it out in your late twenties and how that feels. And, it kind of knocked me in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, it kind of hammers the point home at the end with a kind of terminally ill character, you know, basically saying, No regrets, live your life, do all that kind of stuff, but it does it in a way that's that's not hammy or, or cheesy or anything like that. Um, and it's probably one of the most kind of creative films of the year. These little story vignettes um, almost like multiple short films kind of woven together um, with kind of really unique visuals and interesting dialogue and a kind of standout moment, which uh, we've probably all seen from the poster of the film where time stops and uh, Julie kind of runs towards uh, her newfound relationship mm-hmm. through the yeah. streets of, I'm assuming, Oslo. um and it was kind of like there's no special effects apparently they they literally got people to stop in the middle mm-hmm. of the streets to kind of get this incredible cinematic shot yeah yeah it, it really just kind of like hit a nerve with me and um yeah i was i was kind of just it kind of scared me and kind of comforted me all at the all at the same time i'm not saying every issue julie has is an issue i have but it kind of conjured up the feelings of just trying to piece this piece this life together um and I think it really kind of if I was to put 2022 into a into a film I feel like the worst person mm. in the world is my 2022 in a in um in not an exact way but in a kind of very metaphorical way if that makes any sense no, i think' I'm, I think that's the, what the film does it makes me ramble like i'm i'm yeah. trying to figure <laughs> that, it out in yeah, it's just making me trying to philosophically dive deep but at the same time making no sense at all.
1: So I yeah, I completely agree with you on that sentiment. I think I think it's the power of some movies just just to provoke um something within yourself that sometimes is unexplored or kind of put away um because it's a side of yourself that you're not necessarily proud of for some reason. And I think I felt some similar traits. With him, Julie as well, in terms of her personality and sometimes her, her disconnect is is something that is, you know, it's not something in cinema you you necessarily see a lot of. Um. So whenever it actually finally comes up on screen and it's portrayed by a character such like such like her, um, it's you're you're confronting something you, not usually have to confront because it's you have to watch it for two two plus hours, um so yeah that that is that's fascinating and also it's kind of nice in a way because you feel like right okay this is something i'm not discussed with somebody but now i'm watching it on screen so there's people that feel the same then there's 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 a unity to have there and people are going to have that people talking about it and people having that same experience and people are still you know they're in the same position of, like you they're in their late 20s 30s they're still trying to figure it out and you're not alone you're not the you, you beat yourself up and think that you're behind everybody and everything's greener, greener on the other side, but you know, everybody's trying to figure it out. And as this landscape kind of our culture changes and morphs, it gets harder and harder. And it seems like the, 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 the barriers and the, and the goalposts for what age you should be doing things is changing too. We're always mm-hmm. trying to like set ourselves to a standard of other people around her. Julie is like constantly not vocally, but internally comparing herself to other situations where people have developed families and homes. And she's like, one yearning for that and then when she gets a sample of it is bored by it yes and, and it's the inner hate about that too and why do i feel like that why you know why am i such a I guess, like like the movie calls it why am i such a bad person you know the worst person in the world so yeah it's um very confronting film
0: absolutely absolutely and uh, it is the kind of um final film in the oslo trilogy from don't Know how to pronounce his name, so I'm probably butchering it here. But Joaquim Trier, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I watched uh, you, they're not like um connected in any way, but I watched his previous two films as well. Yeah. This is definitely the best, but it's it's worth a watch of all of them. Um, yeah. but The Worst Person in the World is is kind of definitely his masterpiece. Um, I yeah, absolutely blown away by this film. That's great, Alex. Um, well, that's
1: kind of wraps up our list for 2022 it's time to start the new list for 23 already and hopefully we'll have some more you know a number one this year that we could both be as excited about as uh, last year because it's going to be pretty tough competition i think Um, absolutely
0: we started a podcast in
1: 2022 dude oh man it's crazy i mean did we start what january february march i can't remember
0: uh early feb or mid feb i think so yeah we're coming up we're coming up to our one year anniversary Get the birthday candles out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Shall we go through um, our five to one, just to remind everybody yes. of, of our top five films? Um, so, my number five film was The Northman. My number four was The Batman. My number three film was After Sun. My number two, Top Gun Maverick. And my number one film of 2022 was The Worst Person in
1: the World. Great picks. Um, My number five was RRR. My number four was Bell. My number three pick was Top Gun Maverick. My number two, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And my number one was After Sun.
0: Do you think if they had been released early, do you think the Fablements or uh, Babylon would have made uh, made a, a well, hit into your top ten? or well, Difficult to, to theorise, isn't it?
1: All 2022, uh, The Fablemans has been my most anticipated movie for the last year. So um, we'll see. There's a part of me that is, is very invested in the Spielberg story, and I'm a sucker for those sort of things. I, mean, I love every actor that's in there. I'm really excited to explore that movie, and especially from the great responses that it's had um Giselle's I am definitely very fascinated by because I've heard this is all like excess 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 yeah. um so yeah this is like his big sort of blank check movie um a three plus r epic set in 1920s Hollywood um what could go wrong to <laughs> um but it'll be very interesting you've got big hitters like Margot Robbie Brad Pitt and even like looks like a, a, a Kermit cameo by
0: uh Tobey Maguire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's one of those ones as well like the trailer did nothing for me didn't make like i was just like, all right another one of these films but it's yeah, the response yeah. to the film in the states where it's so divisive it's so divisive but the, it seems to be the people who love it love yes. it and the people yes. who hate it really do hate it and that makes me want to see it even more even though it's another three hour film what's with <laughs> all these long films but yeah i mean Fableman's spielberg you know go and, Diving deep into his own kind of upbringing, mm-hmm. um, I can't wait to see that. Um, but obviously- So does that
1: mean that they, if they do, you know, somehow make a list for next year? Would it be next this year's list, twenty twenty three, or would it be a twenty two list? That's the thing. Well, know, as it, I was saying, it's at like the, the movie's fault that it misses out a two month period where it doesn't end up being on the list at
0: all. That yeah, right. well, that, unfortunately, like the way I do the list in my head, like. Babylon yes. and, and, and Fablemans, if they were to make a top ten, they'd have to make i it'd have to be a revisited top ten of twenty twenty two. Okay. I wouldn't include them in my twenty-three. I know that's awful, and that's the sucky thing about the UK film release schedule. Well, if it does make a top ten, I think Spielberg will do fine without us mentioning <laughs> it his, Yes, his movie. I'm sure he'll be alright. I'm sure he'll be alright. Anyway, let's um let's kind of finish off our bumper two-part year-in-review mm-hmm. episodes. Um, and I just want to say as well, thank you to everybody who has jumped on board the podcast with us and and gives it a listen, and uh, anybody who shared it with, the, with any of their friends and family. Um, we really enjoy doing it, um, and uh, can't wait to continue this podcast journey with you, Chris. Thank you for a great you 2022. Too, thank you. <laughs> but for now... This has been the film
1: angle. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Actually, shouldn't say that because we
0: had an episode before. Oh, yeah. Goodbye.